Welcome to another episode of the Ask a CISO podcast, powered by Harangi, Asia's leader in cloud security. Every episode, you get insider tips and insights in the current challenges and newest trends in cybersecurity from the world's best experts to help level up your cybersecurity career. Here's your host, Paul Hadji, to introduce today's guest. Hey, hello. Morning, Samuel. Hey, good morning, Sky. Hey, hi. Thanks, thanks for taking time to this Ask a CISO podcast with us. Um, actually, been meaning to get you onto this podcast for quite, for quite some time, but I know you're you're pretty busy. Yeah. Also, probably I mean, for the benefit of all the audience, let me just do a quick introduction of Samuel, who is our latest guest on this podcast. Samuel is actually um one of the cybersecurity practitioner I've known for quite a bit of time. Samuel actually has a pretty, pretty interesting background. He actually started his career in the Malaysian military that spanned over a 14 years period, taking into roles in signals, artillery, transport, infantry. Then I guess from there, given Samuel's deep-rooted interest in technology and cyber, um, he embarked on his journey into the private sector with a pretty daring and bold move, moving into a new country totally in Hong Kong and assume the role of a senior security consultant in PwC. Of course, with Samuel's caliber and capability, turning a very stellar performance and then was actually approached by WeLab Bank to head up their cybersecurity team. But I guess that's a different kind of challenge for Samuel because he started with a very small organization and then built the team up into the well-oiled machine that it is today within a span of uh, 1.5 to 2 years. And then last but not least, his latest adventure with S3. Samuel is now the Director of Cybersecurity and Analytics um, at S3. And he is really helping, you know, generally like the industry using technology, discovering more stuff to help um, the cyber industry in general. And of course, um, more importantly, to help address a global concern, right, which is a talent deficit in cybersecurity, specifically within Hong Kong. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the illustrious background that we, we have with a capable person like Samuel and, and, you know, extremely, extremely honored to have you on the podcast with us today. That's a remarkable introduction and I feel flattered and appreciate the opportunity for your invitation for sharing. Thank you, Sky. And thank you, Horangi. I, I think like what, what you have done over the last 15, 20 years writing is really like what you mentioned. Uh, it, it went through a lot of different journeys, right? yeah. starting from the military, then because of your interest in tech, your constant upgrading, getting your masters and so on and so forth, and then move into um, the cyberspace. Um, I mean, across your, your very wide, uh, widely traveled career, well, what do you see like has been the evolving trends general in cyber and, and yourself right previously as a CISO in Relay Bank? Like how does all this, you know, resonate to, to you? Well, let's start from the journey-wise. I mean, uh, it's a lot of ups and downs along the years, but basically I'm having fun because cybersecurity <laughs> is, a, is a passion. started hacking since I was a kid. So did some bad things and now we should do some good things to compensate, right? <laughs> so the passion is the drive that drives you through the hard times. So that uh, means when you're going through hard times, but you're still having fun. So it's basically the motivation. So having the time and opportunity to deal with a lot of cybersecurity incidents and stuff, it's all my interest. And a lot of things I see is still, you know, generally they are 
two types of big attacks, like they're trying to exploiting the web servers and stuff. And the other way is the social engineering. I mean, until today, phishing is still widely being used. And that, on the positive side, when we see a lot of phishing, it, it, it's, it's kind of like a good news. It means that they cannot easily, with a push of a button and then to hack in your server, they need to go around that to use people. So I see it from the positive sides. So I have been following a lot of uh, global trends and I think the best example that uh, we can use currently in the current situation is a, is a Russian invasion, right? We are going to leave all the politics out from this talk and I will just demonstrate a little bit about the time, timeline of the Russian invasion and cybersecurity. So I have been following closely on this Russian invasion thing. So it happens on the 24th of uh, February. So if you look at the news, within a week or two, you can see a lot of news has been published that this government website, uh, this government website was hacked, that government website was hacked, all this, like all these informations. Well, some of it might be just fake news or just uh, trying to stir things up, but as because it's my interest. So I actually went to look into it and uh, there's, a, there's a government website called Roskamanzo. It's basically a Russian federal service for supervision of communication, IT and mass media. So that happens within two to three weeks time. So, and I, because of interest, I went to see other hackers actually leak something out, leak more than uh, five, a lot of gigabytes of data out from the organization itself. So the point here is, look at the timeline. Within two or three weeks, they can actually exfiltrate so many data out. So out of interest, I actually went to find all those data. There's a place called DDoS. It's not the usual DDoS that we know. It's That website is called Distributed Denial of Secrets, where a lot of hackers actually publish things out there. So because it's my passion, so I went to actually download the data and actually have a look. Uh, it seems that it, the, the data was got from an internal network, exfiltrated out from Active Directory environment because we can see SMBs and stuff like that. So now the timeline. So let's, let's come back to the, to the main point here. So within two or three weeks, it, so many data was exfiltrated out, right? So what does that mean? It means that either someone was already in there previously before even the invasion happens or there are a lot of unknown exploits still lying around right and the third point is a lot of system hasn't been patched so these are the few things that we look at it so far so that would explain actually the the global landscape of a cyber attack right so i mean yeah, I think, I think you brought up a good point, right? Like, even with the recent Log4j's issue, like, I think patching has always been, like, one of the most um, tedious and troublesome part of like, enterprise IT, right? <laughs> I think tell, being tell part me of... about it. I've been through that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being, being part of... Um, <laughs> being a seasoned uh, cyber practitioner, I think you probably have a lot of... Uh, conversations, very tough conversations with a lot of your your colleagues right. uh, uh, in the whole project team, uh, and, and and people right. tend to forget the most simplest oversight 
may lead to the most disastrous outcomes, right? Like, like right. I, I think, like in the solar wind case as well, there was a backdoor. You know, right. I mean, people put in the patches because, you know, they, it was released and, and, and then things happened. Uh, but I, I think generally what, like, like what you mentioned, right? I think it is important to kind of understand like the attack defense simulation kind of stuff, right? Because as the defenders, we can put up as much defense technologies that we can understand the business objectives right. and try to uh, make the most informed decision and then protect our organization the right. best but you know like what you rightly mentioned right it's also important in right. fact it's equally important to understand potential attack techniques that can be deployed and then from there right once you understand right. attack techniques better you, you you kind of can make better decisions on how to lay up your defenses, which right. I think goes a lot back into your background as a security consultant. And that adds a, a lot more insights to um, your portfolio when you were trying to build up the team in, in VLED Bank, right? Right. Uh, and and I, I think like what you rightly mentioned, <laughs> your, your your religious following of like the whole <laughs> Russian invasion, that, that's very impressive actually. I, I right. mean, that also kind of points to supply chain attacks and that, that I think everyone's very mindful right. of. Any, uh, any insights or any um, suggestions that, that you may have for organizations that are guarding against supply chain attacks or, or in general attacks from motivated adversaries? Well, um, like you said, uh, building a team from scratch and to comply to strict regulations by the financial industry, which is, I mean, hiring and stuff, that, that, and like you said, a lot of tedious work and vulnerability management. Sometimes you have to beg people to actually, to even just install and patch, because I do understand the IT infrastructure's uh, side of story because they have a lot of other priorities. We have to support the business and stuff, but as a cybersecurity practitioner, you are always at the light side of things, but the attackers come from the dark side, you see? So we have to be lucky every time. And the threat actors only have to be lucky once. So like you said, a lot of burnouts from the engineers that I had dealing with all these operations, phishing emails, patch management and stuff, and and tons of tons of alerts that you have to deal with every day. And like you said, a, a lot of burnouts in talent. So I would recommend to fix things from the bottom up. It starts from the talent side, point number one. Point number two, using new technology like AI and machine learning. But in the same time, I wasn't saying that it's fairly new, but the maturity should be improved, right? Like what we are doing here in the research centers that we, we have recorded more than 40,000 of attack traffic, malware samples and stuff, and try to train the defense systems improve the maturity of AI and machine learning and stuff. So that will come in a two-way approach to actually fix the talent shortage or, or talent burnouts and, and, and stuff like that. So to motivate the talents, we need to have some cool things, you know, wow, we have AI helping us, you know, when they feel that they are doing something cool, they would stay on and then it makes them happy. You know, that's the thing. I would like to hear from your side of story as well, Sky. Yeah, I think you mentioned two very uh, pertinent topics in cyber today. Number one, for sure, talent deficit is something that all organizations have right. to deal with, uh, be it from an end user perspective or from a service provider perspective. Um, I, I think this is actually one of the most 
practical issues that everyone is dealing. And, and, and yeah. I, I've I was reading through an article from Forbes recently, and, and I think it was like quite quite aligned with what we have been talking about, right? It, it was actually captured by Corn um, Ferry, like one of the big um, firms mm-hmm. on the consultancy firms on the market. The, the average tenure of a CEO is uh, 8.1 years in an organization, thereabouts. Right. Um, right. General C suite, general C suite should be around five to five to six years. CIOs the big guys handling um, the entire enterprise IT about four years. But right. the very telling statistic is that a CISO usually only lasts around two years. So, so <laughs> like, like what you mentioned, uh, so it's a bottom-up issue, right? Talent deficit leads to fatigue right. in, in work. And as a, as, as a CISO yourself, as, as someone who runs cyber, uh, it, it kind of increases the strain for yourself and your team. And and when this happens, right, and we have lack of new blood joining the industry, right. it kind of becomes like a vicious cycle. So I guess, like you rightly mentioned, it has to be something that we need to address from a broad bottom-up perspective. Um, while governments, organizations, service right. providers, end users, we have been trying to attract talents to join this industry. But I think the war against the tractors cannot be understated right. and, and it's increasing on a daily basis. So uh, this is something that I think in general, we are all trying to, to address, right? Right. To get more people to join us. And, and that ties very closely, I think, to the second topic that you mentioned about machine learning and AI. Right. In, in, in cyber, I don't think there's, I don't think it's feasible for us to do everything manually or ourselves. Of course, human expertise right. is definitely required because that differentiates good from best. <laughs> so uh, right. as much as we can, we should use technology to automate most of the stuff that we can do. And then where human expertise has been caught in, that's where uh, the, the experiences against bad guys will, will help. Like yourself, right? You have been through yeah. all of those. Um, that's where your expertise will help. But I'm just curious to pick your mind, you know, like have you done um, in your current role, right, in S3, like were there any interesting technology? Were there in, any interesting programs that that you, as the director there, has been researching on, developing on, to, to like what you mentioned, to bring in the cool toys for more folks to join us in the cyber industry. Hey, you're right. Uh, very good question. I have three answers for that. So one, it's the, the Hong Kong government has actually put in a lot of effort in building the talents. So in in S3, in this Hong Kong Research Center, we have very attractive talent programs that we are trying to build the new talents. So I understand that in cybersecurity, a lot of certifications will actually scare out a lot of entry-level positions, a lot of scale, a lot of, you know, like like the fresh grad, they, they will be saying that, hey, I don't have a certification that I have to take a 24 hours exam to, to actually be, be certified. So what we are currently doing that we have few effort is number one, the talent program. Number two is we kind of lower the bar of joining into cybersecurity. So security is something that you know the basics and then you try to work it out. It's like picking a lock. Before you pick a lock, you need to know how a lock works, right? So that's once you know the basics and then you know how to work around with it, you know how to play with it, right? So that's what we are trying to do. We are trying to find talents like from IT infrastructure, IT network. So means they they know well about, about TCP, IP, OSI network and stuff. And that's how we train them from that onwards. 
So we have a good talent program and we try to lower the bar and then try to try to absorb more IT fresh grads and try to train them up from there. So the third answer will be, it's kind of like working in parallel. So to try to improve the AI and machine learning maturity, and of course, using things like what we call ABCD, AI machine learning, B is blockchain, right? C is cybersecurity, then D is data analytics. So we try to work on this, these four items. And recently we have been using blockchain to build a secure import system where we were using IOTs and stuff where, so the examples like this are when they're trying to uh, move the cold food from China to Hong Kong. Well, so all the IOT devices, we have heat sensors and stuff, uh, temperature sensors, GPS sensors, and then to detect and all the data were all fixed in the blockchain. So when we think about blockchain, we always think about Bitcoins, right? So we are trying to do is uh, blockchain beyond Bitcoins. So that privacy and or whatever data security, it's implanted in the system itself without you thinking about uh, network segmentation, secure database and stuff like that. So, right, we're trying to use things in a different way and try to do things by secure by design. So in the same time, if secure by design, it means less fatigue on the engineers. So that's, that's what we are trying to do. So imagine that we can import cold food from China to Hong Kong. It's all in blockchain and it's a uh, temperature sensitive. It has to be monitored all along the way. Imagine that you can have that system in the COVID vaccines. COVID vaccines are all temperature sensitive as well. So. We are trying to think more new ideas to to build things up, right? And another thing, it's um, we try to get out of the box. Like the cybersecurity detection has always been, you know, uh, log management, you know, and SIEM and stuff. So, have you ever thought about detecting malware using electromagnetic wave generated from the CPU itself when the malware has been executed? Imagine because there's a paper published that talks about each malware being executed will generate different signature of the electromagnetic wave. So try to imagine if you put a device in your data center and then when someone run Mimikatz or whatever malware tools in your server and then you can detect from the electromagnetic wave side. So these are the, the, are the things that we are trying to think out of the box, you see. So hopefully it will help sky to fix that uh, talent deficit problem with all the new technologies and stuff yeah i think i think that was actually a very interesting topic that you highlighted like uh, different applications of what we were previously familiar of like you mentioned right actually right. the possibilities of blockchain is limitless like even ourselves we have worked with clients who use blockchain um, mm. for a different use case besides the, the standard stuff that we know, like, I, I mean, the crypto space is not doing this well <laughs> this couple of days, but, but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, using blockchain, using DLT to, to kind of like yep. give more assurance how things can be sec more securely designed in, in the first place. That kind of like reduces um, the operational and maintenance support that's required subsequently, right? It, it to a certain extent. So, yeah. uh, but of course, then there will be a different conversation coming up. Also, how can you ensure that your blockchain is secure? Like, it, it's always a chicken and egg. You're and, right. and that's 
and and then yes. exactly that's what makes cyber interesting right like things are changing on a daily right. basis we always learn new stuff and and that's that's actually the beauty of this industry but of course uh, given that you have to learn new stuff every day it's tiring and, and it burns people out right. and, um, yeah so so and, and the other thing that you mentioned about the, the electromagnetic wave that is actually something very interesting i've not heard about that before at all is that something that you guys are actually doing a research on right now after you, you saw the article yeah, we, we have been actively looking for new ways and new ideas and stuff. So I think this is very feasible. And so it's called Hong Kong Applied Science. The The difference between uh, applied science and theoretical science is that applied science uses the theory and bring it on the ground so that it works, it brings value and stuff. So that's the difference of applied science. And really, I like the word you were using the metaphor of chicken and egg <laughs> that and that reminds me that whatever that we are enjoying today it's a seed planted by the previous generations right so like you said i have a lot of um, questions that are being asked that why should i use blockchain why can't i just use a traditional database and stuff right so that's that's kind of a hard question but uh, if we think forward if you think five to ten years in advance so you will be like laying the ground first where you start using blockchain and stuff and then the scalability and uh, the effectiveness will come later in time so that that is that's how we should actually plant a seed right now so that the future generations can can enjoy our fruit so that's that's the few points and electromagnetic wave it's kind of a thing out of box ideas and we love all the papers we have been reading a lot of papers every day and we try to find theoretical things that work and bring down to our clients or or stuff and the best thing about hong kong government it's a lot of this innovation fund that we can apply it's a goal the funding scheme can go up to until 70%, 50% of a funding scheme. So that explains how the government is committed to actually push innovation forward, right? Yeah, I think that's something that you has mentioned that, that I think is critical to help develop the industry, right? Because yeah. uh, in general, I think to have... Uh, the government support, having funding available. You know, sometimes people are stopped in their tracks because it, it's just a lack of funding or a little bit yeah. lack of like a push from someone from the big brother saying that, hey, don't worry, just go in and try. Take the theory, try and apply it and see whether it makes sense. And if it's something that works, right, we can try to continue to refine, enhance it to something that is usable yeah. um, commonly in, in five, ten years down the road. I, I, I really like the, the portion about like planting the seeds right now, right? right. Because um, I think blockchain, as a, citing it as a specific example, blockchain, people still have some uh, wrong or negative connotation about blockchain in general. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, at Horangi ourselves, oh. I think we are big believers of blockchain mm -hmm. uh, and we have been working with a lot of firms uh, who has been using blockchain extensively. So definitely on our end, we, we do understand the beauty of blockchain. Right. But I think in general, um, be it end users, be it providers, be it governments, federations, associations, I think it's important that um, we kind of continue working in the goals that we believe in and, and okay. like plant the seeds today, bring it down 10 years, fast forward 10 years, fast forward 15 years, then everyone will kind of see, oh, oh actually blockchain makes sense. 
this this started like like maybe right. twenty years ago when people were still on cable, right? Then started we started moving into IP. So it is something that I guess it makes sense for us to do it, put in the hard work now and pay it forward so that the future generation can kind of like have an uplift in terms of the technology. Right. Uh, to- totally agree with what you mentioned. Right. I'm very interested on the point you said. So tell me, uh, you were saying on the uh, negative comments and stuff. Sometimes I see negative comments as a new opportunity. So mm. what kind of details have you heard? I mean, it might be a bit different what we are doing things in Hong Kong and Singapore, you know. I would really be interested to know about it. Definitely. Like, I mean, right. uh, there will be comments like, hey, how do I know that the public blockchain, you know, Right. Secure it by. I have no say at all. You know, like it's so right. so open. So like, right. oh, a- am I supposed to be concerned if I'm passing part of my data or the metadata is transmitting through a blockchain, which I totally have no idea. Right. Uh, I totally have no full control about it. I mean, uh, right. That's where like traditional enterprise IT's mentality has to kind of like uh, uh take some understanding about like why blockchain is something that can complement. We're not removing enterprise IT, right? right? There was no intention to remove enterprise IT. I think think the key key idea is that, hey, there's actually another cool kid on the ground, like in the playground. Do you guys want to just mingle with him and see how we can play together? Like, I think that's a key idea that um, believers of blockchain is having. So I I think that's something that in in general, we should be a bit more open-minded. And like what I mentioned, with all these fun toys to play with, right, it kind of makes the job more bearable, more interesting. And and if you are really doing something that you have passion in, right, um, I don't think you find it as work. You'll probably want to come to, but you will want to turn on your laptop every day because there's new stuff that you can play with, you know, there's interesting things that you can experiment with. And and, and that makes cyber a lot more uh, refreshing, a lot more challenging. Like, right. like there's a drive and motivation for us to, to pick up our work and start running again every single day. Well, I hear something common that what I've heard here in Hong Kong as well. I think it's all about trust. When we put data in blockchain, like you said, how can I trust the public blockchain and stuff? Uh, the trust is just like money. We trust Hong Kong dollar, we trust Singapore dollar. That's why it has value. If not, it's just only a paper, right? So I think blockchain is fully customizable. You can have public blockchain. If you don't trust, you can have your own private blockchain. And we have cloud. It can be, you can fire up a node in such a short time and different consensus protocol and stuff you can do. So I think it's fully customized to tailor to human's trust. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking. It's not only papers, like, like what we have in our wallet. <laughs> For sure, for right. sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's something that, yeah, I mean, that's something that we can keep in mind and see how things develop. Really excited to see this space, actually. Yeah, I mean, mindful of time, I don't want to hold you back too too long, Samuel. Like, um, as, as closing, right, like, I think we mentioned a few pointers, like how the cybersecurity trend and landscape has been changing, especially in the last 12 months. The talent deficit, which is very, very real, even for ourselves as a consultancy firm, we feel exactly. it very keenly. I think it's going to be even worse in end user environment because you guys have to handle different parties every single day. Like, like yeah, as a CISO, I'm pretty sure you, you felt the strain and the dream before, but please hang in there. Then comes the fun part about using technology, right? I, I like the ABCD portion, right. the AI machine learning, blockchain, cybersecurity, data analytics. It kind of like makes a very complicated topic into like four right. letters, but <laughs> I like the way you did it. Um, it is, it's, 
it's different uh, and, and that's something that I think we need to be all very aware of because um, it, it, it will just become stagnant if we keep looking at things in the same perspective. So when you kind of wrap it as ABCD, it kind of like brings us into a different perspective and it allows us to understand things better yeah. from a different light. And that potentially can be a brainstorming session to come up with new ideas. So I right. really like that a lot. Last but not least is like what you mentioned about that that extremely interesting topic that I think I'm going to catch you up after the call, <laughs> the, the electromagnetic waves portion. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is extremely cool. And you know, the real difference that you guys are, are making, right, from converting from theories into applied sciences and, and right. actually making a prototype, making sure that it works and then eventually making it into publicly available technology. So I guess, yeah, that, that was the four things that we spoke about. And, and I, I, I hope right. that the, the listeners actually kind of have a different view towards cyber. It's not every day about cloud security, not every day about EDR, oh, yeah. but <laughs> not about SIE, <laughs> but, but it's more than that, right? Uh, um, I know about that. <laughs> cyber is a changing thing, evolving on a daily basis. And we kind of need to add exactly. a more human aspect to it, not just on how we want to beat the bad guys, how we want to prevent the bad guys from coming. But as defenders, like you guys, the talents, even our consultants, I think we need to understand that human aspect of things. And when the humans believe in that same direction, that firm belief, that can actually help us drive forward in, in a more positive manner. And then eventually the cyber industry will, will um, benefit in, in the long run. Right. Okay. Less is more. So appreciate this discussion, I think we had a fruitful discussion, man. <laughs> yes, yes. Let me, let me catch you up uh, on the EM wave part. I'm really, really very interested in that. Uh, but I cannot hold your time <laughs> so back. Why not? Thanks for taking time to join us for this session. Uh, appreciate your time. If there's a chance, right. let's, let's do this again. Likewise. You have a great day. Right. Thanks, Samuel. Bye. Thank you. Bye.